You're listening to episode 152 of the Tennis Files podcast. How to improve your game after a long break with Mirban or Ranshad. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. My name is Mirban Iranshad, a former Division I college tennis player. And on the show, I interview the world's top coaches, pros, and experts to help you improve your tennis game. And today I actually have a solo episode about how to improve your game after a long break. And so obviously there's many of us who either still have not been able to play tennis or are just getting back out on the courts. And I thought I'd address some really important points, a five-step process that will allow you to maximize your uh, gains when you get on on the court while also protecting yourself from injuries. And this really spawned from a conversation I had um, with a couple sports, uh, I guess, tennis fitness experts, and they expressed that um, one of the most concerning things about the return after the pandemic uh, to the courts is injuries. And so that is something that is a real danger. And as a consequence, we need to be aware of uh, what we need to do and what steps we can take to uh, just make it safe for us, fun for us, and also to help us uh, improve our tennis game in the proper way. I'm really excited to get into this for you, and this actually was recorded as a live stream. I've been doing, uh, I think maybe the past five or so uh, Tennis Files podcast episodes were live streams. So um, yeah, the, I pretty much took the audio from that and made it into this audio version of the podcast. And I really do hope that you enjoy it. I really enjoyed getting some really nice feedback from people after I recorded the show. Um, And shout out to David, Aaron, Dick, uh, Samantha, Gene, everybody who was on the live stream. So a lot of you, but um, yeah, really, really hope that you enjoy this one and get a lot out of it. So without further ado, I will introduce you to the episode. Welcome to this live stream. Uh, This is a very different one because it's only myself uh, presenting to you, and it's uh, definitely exciting for me to to do this and to share what I've learned uh, through my experiences, as well as interviewing a lot of amazing people. And so it's going to be a little tricky in terms of answering questions. I definitely will, um, but I actually have my uh, presentation on the right side and like another screen while I'm looking to the other side. Uh, and then I have like this streaming screen in front of me. So uh, I am going to concentrate on the presentation, but I'll be scanning your questions as we go along, but I apologize in advance for any difficulties. Um, But yeah, just say hi in the chat if you're here. And uh, as you can see, which I'm going to now make it full screen, is uh, is a presentation subject, which is how to get back on the court and start improving your game again. Uh, Let's see which views look good here. This looks okay for now, Um, but I might make it full screen just so it's easier for everybody to see. All right, so uh, again, how to get back out on the court and start improving. So we get to the first uh, slide here. Uh, The objectives for today, uh, which these are what I'm going to be reviewing for you all today to help you out, uh, is setting your expectations first off, prioritizing your health and your fitness, extremely, extremely important as we'll get to soon. And then we'll go to goal setting and planning on-court training, what you should be actually doing on the court, and then uh, observing safety protocols. And uh, hey to David and Tom uh, and Gene. Appreciate you all coming on and uh, looking forward to to everybody uh, learning from this session. So, all right, uh, lesson number one is setting your expectations. And this is really important because um, I've, I've played with people, actually even one of my good friends who we, we've been out on the court before 
and he hasn't played in, in many weeks and then he gets upset with himself and I, I tell him I say you can't really expect to play amazing if you haven't been able to practice uh, you know for weeks or months and in, in, in many cases for us uh, with what's going on here so uh, again, you know, not playing at all for a while means your level is naturally going to decrease. Uh, I mean, you have to be some sort of superhuman <laughs> tennis player for that to not be the case. So you first have to, you know, set your mindset to say, hey, I, I accept that I'm not going to necessarily be able to play my best. And that will right away alleviate a lot of pressure, a lot of tension, and that'll allow you to focus on improving yourself rather than getting pissed off at yourself uh, for making mistakes that, you know, is totally normal, even under um, consistent practice uh, conditions, you know, but uh, you're, you're just coming back and you're going to be rusty uh, for sure. And, uh, and you know, it's kind of the same point, but your timing, your, your game speed, your rhythm, all this needs consistent practice to stay at a high level. I remember actually a huge mistake uh, <laughs> during college between my first and second years of uh, playing college tennis and college, of course, I took a big break uh, <laughs> right before we returned for the winter season. I uh, know, I'm sorry, right before we returned for the spring season. And then we had challenge matches the very first day that we got back. And I, my heart just sank when I heard that. And so I had been out of practice and I played my friend Leaf. And I lost pretty badly, and the game speed was just so weird for me. And we were playing indoors that particular day, and uh, the courts were fast. Just the ball was going like three times as fast as normal. So, uh, you know, it, it really takes um, a lot of consistent practice to get back to, to where you were. Uh, another thing that it helps a lot and helps alleviate pressure, like it, we with the first point that I mentioned, is to... Uh, be grateful that you can play tennis in the first place. I mean, maybe for some of us, that's not possible yet. Uh, let me try putting the view to uh, the highest it can be, actually, or the best. Here we go. So anyway, being grateful uh, for that you can play tennis, that you're healthy. You know, there's a lot of people out there that are sick, uh, you know, whether that's a pandemic or something else. And so having that mindset, too, is going to help you to reintegrate back into the game. Um, the next point here is uh, to just really accept, uh, as is the, the main title here uh, of this subsection, just to program your mind that I'm going to accept whatever level I'm play of play that you're at right now and that it's going to get better from here. Uh, and just a quote for you, without labor and nothing prospers, it's Sophocles, my younger brother, no, I'm kidding, uh, <laughs> philosopher from a long time ago. Now, so the first objective that we want to do before we launch into playing sets and matches is to focus on getting back your rhythm and your timing is, is to do that. So you, you want to really focus on doing that by just getting down the basics first. So obviously you want to start off hitting down the middle. And if you watch a lot of the tennis pros, the Federer, Nadal, anybody, when they step out on the court, they, they're playing at like, a quarter speed, you know, maybe one third speed, uh, just to get their body acclimated. And this is something that's extremely important to take note of because uh, we're, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, we're really at a big risk of, uh, of injuries. So if we get out on the court after not playing for a long time, or even if we've hit once or twice, but our body isn't acclimated yet to higher intensity play, then we're going to be at a huge risk of injuries. So you just want to start by hitting down the middle and, and then gradually speeding up from there. And I'll have more, like I said, on, on the injury point as well. Um, and then from hitting down the middle, you want to get to cross courts and then recovering to the middle, just very basic things, uh, basic patterns uh, of play. And then from there, uh, you you definitely, you know, really at the outset is focus on your footwork. Footwork is so important because if you're not in position, you're not able to be ready and loaded up to hit the ball, then there's no chance that you're even going to hit a, a good shot at all, even if you have perfect technique, but your footwork is off. And I find that focusing on my footwork really helps set up the rest of the stroke naturally. And uh, so you really want to focus on your footwork for sure.
And uh, just the point being here is from Michael Russell, who's, uh, I think, top 50 ranked at one point, who I interviewed on my podcast, um, maybe in the 130s or so. I'll have to double check that for you all. Uh, but his quote is, if you work on your footwork and your spacing is good, it's much easier to hit the ball. It's not always just about technique. And another point, too, on footwork is I find uh, it's kind of out of the scope of this, but uh, during during matches, when I get nervous, I find that focusing on my footwork is the number one key to getting me to play properly again and, and not being nervous. So uh, no, section three here is to reevaluate and reset your expectations after each session. And what I find really helps is to journal. So after I play, you know, let's say this is after the very first session, uh, you want to write down how you felt after playing. And you can use anything from uh, a yellow notepad to uh, a practice journal from Functional Tennis, which you can check out at uh, tennisfiles.com slash, I think it's journal. I'll have to double check that actually. But um, so write down how you felt and, you know, there's obviously details here of what you want to write down. So you want to note how you felt mentally. First of all, you want to note how you played, what worked that day and what didn't, and to include as much detail as you can, the more, the better. And then going from there, you can make a plan to work on your game based on that information above. It's really, really key to reflect on your game, uh, I you know I recommend after each session, but you know I, I understand for those of you especially who don't have that habit down, uh, you can just go with weekly if that's easier for you um, or some other sort of uh, time delineation. But uh, really, just noting what you're feeling after your your sessions goes a long way towards your progress. Re- Self reflection is really key. And regarding expectations. A uh, quote from Bruce Lee, I'm not in this world to live up to your expectation and you're not in this world to live up to mine. Uh, that's really a, a, a great quote here. Uh, and I wrote some notes down um, about it, which is basically Bruce is saying not to worry about people's expectations of you or your game, uh, you know, relative to tennis. And so you want to just set your own expectations and set out to achieve them. So you know, when you get out there on the court, uh, don't don't worry about, you know, what other people may think about you as far as, oh, this person, my game has gone down or whatever. You just have to kind of keep reevaluating and then resetting uh, your goals, your weekly goals and your, your short term goals, etc. All right. Next slide or next lesson, actually, prioritize your fitness and health. So as I alluded to previously, uh, you, we are at a huge, huge risk of injury right now. Uh, it is really key that we take care of our fitness and our, our health. And this starts with performing a dynamic warm up every single time before you play. This is especially huge at this point. Uh, and, and so, as I mentioned, uh, injury is, is the number one concern among top tennis experts who I've, I've talked to. Uh, I've talked to many of them, but including Dr. Mark Kovacs that comes to mind, Uh, because think about it, your body hasn't been used to playing tennis and then all of a sudden you're going to go out there and then shock your system and play tennis. So what you want to do is you want to perform this dynamic warm up, which has two primary objectives. There's obviously a lot of sub, um, objectives, I guess, if you will, but primarily it will prime your muscles, um, to function optimally. And I see Dr. Chandra calling me right now. Uh, another great resource. I've got to call him back. But anyway, uh, dynamic warm-up, it primes the muscles to function optimally and it prevents injuries. And even just 10 minutes before uh, playing can prevent, you know, like 10 months being out from injury. And I just, you know, said 10 with 10 just because it's kind of the alliteration is nice. But it's it's really key for you to to implement this dynamic warm up before you play. And some examples of this are knee hugs, lunges, monster walks, uh, shadow swings, uh, you know, even like a light jogging. All these things are going to really be very helpful for you to to uh, to warm up your body properly and prime your muscle for performing well. Uh, So subsection two here is schedule and stick to a workout plan. And I can't tell you how important this is. Uh, It's going to go 
a long way towards getting your body ready. I really hope that you have actually been working out during this, uh, you know, the stay at home uh, juncture. Uh, because uh, if not, then your body, like I said, is going to be in for, especially in for a real shock. I mean, even myself who has been, I, I actually work out every single day. Um, we'll go into this a bit more, but I, I rotate between uh, lower body workouts, upper body workouts, uh, stretching uh, for my mobility and flexibility, uh, and, and uh, also uh, sprints and, and lateral movements. Uh, it, it's really important. So, but that being said, I don't want you to get too hung up on the exact, you know, exercises and types of uh, workouts for yourself because the thing is, the more complex you make something, the less likely you're going to be to stick with it. And in talking with with uh, fitness experts as well, I just love the area of tennis fitness because um, if you're uh, not fit and you don't concentrate on your fitness, then you're going to have to make time for the physio table, which I believe is what Alistair McCaw told me one time. So it's really most important that you be consistent with your workouts. So create some sort of workout that is something that you can you can do consistently and then reevaluate from there again how how it works out for you and obviously you, you don't reevaluate your how your workouts are, are doing for you after 2 days, you know, you've got to give it some time. But consistency is key here. We don't want you to try a couple times and then quit. And as I mentioned, focus a large chunk of your workouts on mobility and flexibility. Uh, I interviewed Mike Boyle, a, a huge expert in the realm of tennis fitness, and he said that you want to actually focus on... He said that you've got to w focus on as much as 1% uh, of your fitness training on your mobility because we lose that as we age. So um, say if you're like 30 years old, a uh, rough estimate is 30% of your fitness training should be on mobility. Thankfully, I'm able to get this, or I was able to get the presentation back. That's great. Uh, <laughs> and so, of course, you know, working on your fitness will help you withstand the rigors of tennis and to perform better on court. And we do want to focus on the outset on general strength first and then specific tennis exercises. Because in talking with all these amazing tennis fitness experts. I'm just going to shout them out. Um, I mentioned Dr. Sean Drake and Dr. Mark Kovacs, also um, Dominic King and, uh, you know, so many others, uh, Dean Hollingworth, etc. cetera, Nero Jayanti. They talk about how uh, strength is a building block of other, I guess, characteristics uh, in, like such as power and speed and explosivity. So you always want to start with strength first because it's also going to help you just in general um, be healthier and be able to withstand uh, more more jolts and things like that on the court. Now think about all the stopping and starting that you're doing. Uh, and then one huge key is that you don't even need uh, really any equipment almost to to get a great workout going. Uh, and I made a list here for you all that, well, I have it on my notes here. I mean, the equipment that I use is really minimal during this time. Obviously, I don't have like a squat rack with me or anything. Uh, some people do, but I don't. Uh, so I, I use mainly an exercise mat, a couple uh, exercise bands, a jump rope. I personally have a perfect push-up uh, type of uh, apparatus, uh, but you don't even need that. It's just kind of more comfortable for my wrists. I use a foam roller on occasion to foam roll uh, for myofascial release. And then I have a medicine ball that I use sometimes. But as you can see, extremely simple. It's it's really great. So, so yeah. Um, so, and if you want a workout plan, just let me know in the chat. I'm curious to see who is, uh, you know, excited about tennis fitness and realizes how important it is. Next, recovery and nutrition are critical. And, you know, some of these points, of course, you may already know, but, I mean, it's really important to reiterate these, these things. So, uh, but especially important is because, you know, as we mentioned, you won't be as fit as you normally were, you know, before, like pre-COVID, pre-pandemic. So, uh, in this case, your proper hydration and carbohydrates are even more crucial than before. Uh, and so to give you kind of a rough, rough estimate in speaking with 
uh, a really great uh, nutritional expert, Jeff Rothschild, who I think moved to New Zealand or Australia from California, and he trained the Bryan brothers or you know helped them with their nutrition and, and training, is uh, 30 grams of carbohydrates if you're going to do a, a one to two hour uh, training session, and then uh, 30 to 60 grams per hour if you're going to do like two to three, which, uh, you know, <laughs> power to you all who can do that much at this point. Um, it's not few and far between, I would say. Um, but uh, yeah, and so with that, static, static stretching after playing t- is really crucial to reduce soreness, but also maintain your flexibility, which I should have written that too. Um, but it's, yeah, it's, it's just really crucial, like, you know, your flexibility and your mobility uh, is, is really going to directly impact you. Because I remember for a long time, I never stretched and I never even knew what mobility meant. And every day after I played tennis, I would just be so sore and my hips would be hurting so much. And I felt like I couldn't even stretch out for balls. And and after matches, believe it or not, I was like I was limping back, uh, you know, from my car to the elevator. And it was just brutal. So and a, that, a big reason for that was I was not stretching, I wasn't recovering properly, I wasn't sleeping enough. So, uh, you know, recovery and nutrition are going to be extremely critical, especially as you're returning to tennis and it's going to be more of a jolt on the body as usual. And as I mentioned, you want to replace or replenish the body with sufficiently high quality calories. Uh, if, if I've noticed too, if I've played a match and then I haven't uh, eaten sufficient calories. Like actually what will happen, especially it's rough with the USA leagues because a lot of times, and, and I actually help uh, with them. I'm the vice president of the Montgomery County Tennis Association so and the, the um, chair of the leagues. But, you know, unfortunately we have to schedule or at least pre-COVID matches around like 9 p.m. or so sometimes. And so I'd play matches at nine till 11, you know, frequently go to third set super tiebreaker, come home and it's already late. And then I, if if I were to go to bed and I've done this a few times without replenishing my calories, I would either a wake up in the morning, well, being like 1am extremely hungry and feeling horrible or b uh, waking up at my normal time. Well, actually later, you know, because of the late match, but also feeling equally horrible and really sore because I did not give my body enough calories um, to, to, to replenish. And then with that, you know, you, you've got to build in enough sleep. And this will vary from person to person, very varies depending on age. But you have to kind of figure out what works for you. And I remember they did a study on a, a college basketball team. I'm sure they've done it on many teams. But they did studies on this particular team and... Uh, they found that by increasing the sleep by, uh, to, I think it was eight hours or maybe nine hours, across the board, the statistics uh, all went up. So just amazing what you can do with just an hour extra of sleep, just eliminating electronics after a certain period of time, like 10 or 11 o'clock, which has been you know, very difficult for me. Uh, but you just have to stay disciplined and, and realize, A, the negative effects if you don't uh, sleep enough, and then B, how great you're going to feel if you sleep enough. So <laughs> combine those two, and you will be able to push yourself to be more disciplined. Lesson three in this uh, five-part lesson here, plus a nice bonus later on, is to uh, t- to set goals and to plan properly. This is so important, really. Um and you have an opportunity to start fresh here with your your training and your goal setting, etc. So um, you want to start really having this mindset of of starting to train like a champion. I know there's a lot of us out there, and I am guilty of this too, where we have these practice sessions, and you know we're very lackadaisical, and you know just we relax, we don't really put in the effort, and then. All of a sudden, when you're in a tournament or a USC League match, you're you're freezing under pressure. And I'm not saying that that doesn't happen uh, even if you play intensely, but our level of play will go down quite a bit uh, in match play if we're not playing uh, with intensity during our practices. So you really want to start by making that commitment to get the most out of your training and to remind yourself of this every single time. Otherwise, you're going to forget and the commitment is gone. And really powerfully is you want to remember your whys. And remembering your whys will give you a long-term fuel and a purpose 
to keep training hard. So I wrote down some of my whys here as I transition myself to uh, some of my notes here. Uh, and some example of whys are to be a role model for your kids. Uh, maybe you want to show them that it's possible to be able to uh, increase your level and, and improve as a tennis player. Maybe you have kids who are playing tennis or other sports. Another big one is to not have regrets later in life about your untapped potential. I hear it from a lot of players who say, oh, yeah, you know, I could have been a pro. I could have been this. I could have been that. But are you really happy with yourself? And, <laughs> you know, it, it, you don't want to be at the end of your tennis career and then thinking to yourself, wow, if I just put in some more hours, some more time, I could have gotten this college scholarship. I could have gotten to a 5-0 now my body can't get me there, things like that. Uh, and a cool story, too, about training like a champion is one that I heard on a, a motivational channel on YouTube. I think it was Mulligan Brothers, but they have all these motivational channels. And I actually listen to these motivational channels every single morning, whether I'm working at home, then I actually put it on my computer screen because I have my workout mat um, a few feet behind my, my desk. And I can watch a little bit, but mostly listen, obviously, as I work out, or I put it on my uh, obviously put it on my uh, cellular device uh, my smartphone and then I listen to it but anyway one of the speeches was about uh, Jason Williams or was from Jason Williams a former professional basketball player and Jason one time he had to face off against the Lakers and against Kobe and so Jason Williams he went to the practice court well I guess the game court but to practice a few hours before the, the game and he saw Kobe Bryant there practicing uh, already in a full sweat. And so Jason said, okay, I mean, this is normal. So Jason, he practiced for like an hour, hour and a half or so. And then he went off the court and Kobe was still practicing. And so Jason told himself, wow, I mean, this guy is really working hard. He's got a game soon. And, and so Jason sat down and watched Kobe practice, and Kobe practiced for a good 30 or 45 minutes more. I forget the exact time, but that's not really the point of the story. And then, so after the game, which I don't remember who won, but Jason went to Kobe and, and uh, asked Kobe, he said, hey, Kobe, why were you practicing that much? I mean, it's, you know, there's a game afterwards, and, you know, what was the reason? And then Kobe said, the reason that I kept practicing out there is because I saw you out there. And so I wanted you to know that no matter how much you were going to practice, I was willing to practice harder than you. And so this is a huge lesson for those of you. I'm sure it will be inspiring to at least some of you that there's always somebody out there training more than you are. And so obviously after getting back into the game gradually, uh, you want to really have that mindset of I'm going to practice as intense as I can and start training like a champion um, as I have up here, there's really no substitute for hard work. And training like a champion not only requires a mindset shift, it also requires great planning, right? So you want to evaluate your game and then make a plan. And the first part of this is, I, I say this quite a bit actually, is to, to figure out first off, what are the top three aspects of a game that if you improve, will give you the biggest ROI, which is a return on investment. And for me, I would say that my biggest uh, return on investment would come from my serve because I we all serve half of the time. And with a more better placement, more power on my serve, I'd be able to control and win more points. But another one for me, and these are just to jog your, uh, your mind on what, uh, what possible areas you can improve, although it's, it's very personal to you, of course. Second is my mobility so that I can get to more balls and feel better on the court. Um, that is, again, I've always had these, these little issues with like my hips and uh, uh, flexibility, mobility problems. So, um, you know, for, I've been fortunate that they haven't been terrible so that I can't play, but I, I do feel them. And as we age, as I mentioned, we have more mobility issues. My, my third point uh, that would give me the biggest return on investment would be my footwork and my movement. Uh, I, as I mentioned as well, I think everything stems from your footwork and your movement. And, you know, if, if we have a pro like Michael Russell saying that, then uh, I, I think I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, 
Um, <clears throat> so let's see here. Um, Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. So yeah, then after thinking about the top three aspects... You have to try to figure out and, and plan, how are you going to attack this? How am I going to actually improve on this part of my game? You can't just say, oh, okay, I'm going to improve my serve, and then that's it, right? You need to plan. Um, failing to plan is is planning to fail, which is a quote by Alan Lakin. So uh, how do you improve your serve, for example? Just to take a, you know my personal uh, thing that I need to improve on, I'll schedule three days a week. I'll record my serve technique. I'll watch the video after each session. I'll identify what areas of my tennis serve need to improve. And then I'll just go uh, from the beginning to the end, figure out, okay, which part is is the problem? Oh, my! I see my, that my toss is off here. What do I need to change? And then once you get that to be second nature, that your toss is on point, then you go to the next phase and the next phase. Maybe the racket drop is not doing so well. So then you work on that. You figure out drills, techniques, you listen to podcasts, you, you watch YouTube videos, um, you know, you join Tennis Files membership, whatever, uh, and, and then you figure it all out. And, and yeah, so that's a, an example of, of planning and setting, setting up the time for yourself. And uh, let's see, next point. Right now your competition is training. Uh, so, and then... As I alluded to, you want to schedule this time. And what I like to do is I like to set recurring days and times, uh, blocks of time in my calendar. And so there's many different tools you can use. I like to use Google Calendar a lot. I've, if you guys and girls follow me on, on Instagram, which you can check me out at uh, Instagram.com uh, slash tennis.files, so like tennis period files. Um, sometimes I post my, my calendar and it's, it's usually filled up and I like to fill it up as much as I can so that I have things to do. Even my breaks, of course I schedule breaks. So Google calendar, you can use a wall calendar. Um, it's going to Amazon or wherever and order it, um, or staples. Uh, you can use a progress planner, which I also use, which I like a lot and has a calendar inside and the daily places to, to write your schedule. You can even use a, a yellow notebook and just write it freehand. And really, most importantly, you talk about consistency, right? Do not let anything distract you from sticking to your training sessions. We all hit these points where it's a fork in the road, right? You have the choice of, oh, I, I can choose to stick to my, my practice session, stick to my gym session, my, my fitness, or I can succumb to my temporary pleasure uh, and, and eat a bowl of ice cream or I can just go watch some YouTube and then do it the next day. But you know, when you do that, the, each time you do that, you, you, you take another turn down the wrong road. And then pretty soon, uh, I mean, several things happen. Um, I know for me, whenever I make a, a suboptimal choice, the wrong choice, then even though I end up feeling good in the, the short term, I end up feeling bad about my failed choice and then it it kind of sometimes it can steamroll and so you know it's okay everybody is gonna at one point or another for whatever reason not stick to their uh, appointment or session it sometimes there's an emergency or whatever but uh, the really key is to not make the same mistake twice so get back on your horse and um, stick to your schedule and you can't get anywhere without consistency and sometimes you don't even know when you're going to break through, you know, for example, with your fitness training, maybe you've been working at it for many, many weeks and you don't feel an improvement, but all of a sudden, uh, you have to, if you stop, you never know, you might have been one more session away from, from an explosion in power that you could feel in your body, but because you quit, then you would never get there. There's this great visual of two people, I don't know if you call them miners or, or what, but they're they're digging for for diamonds or something. I think it's diamonds. And then you have a picture of one person 
who has dug literally like one inch away and then you see the diamonds on the other side and then he's pictured with his uh, pick or whatever it is that he's using to dig turned away, walking away, like all dejected, not knowing that the diamonds were just like a couple more smashes away. Uh, and then you have somebody else, of course, who's uh, continuing to dig towards their goal. So, yeah, just a great, powerful uh, thought and, and, and visual there. And then I have this quote again, a man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder. Uh, I can't remember who said that, actually, but uh, you can Google it. <laughs> All right. Oh, Thomas Carlyle. There we go. Sweet. And this is just a picture of my Google Calendar. Um, I have a lot of things on here, obviously. Um, all right. What to do, and I usually fill this up more. I think this is an old picture, but uh, lesson four, what to do on court. So you're probably wondering what exactly should I be doing? There's a lot of choices, obviously, but I'm just going to list some that you can do. But obviously, as you first begin to get on the court, you just want to start after you're hitting down the middle of the court, uh, here to get your rhythm and your timing and warming up, then you want to start with just basic patterns and some drills. You don't want to launch into a practice set because A, you shouldn't be going at it full steam because you're just getting back out on the court for a lot of you. And then B, if you do that, then you're going to get injured probably. I mean, there's a big chance. So anyways, basic stuff, cross courts and recover as you would during matches. Uh, you can do uh, cross court down the line. So if you're playing singles, you you hit cross court and your partner hits down the line. Uh, I love this drill. It's so good for movement uh, and change of direction for the person hitting down the line. Um, well, actually, for both. Sorry. And then you want to practice some one up, one back. So uh, and this, so this basically means one person volleying, one person at the baseline hitting down the line and cross court. Uh, what I like to do is to practice depth, and that doesn't mean that you have to hit it super hard or whatever. You just hit with sufficient height from the net and depth, obviously, um, because depth is really one of the keys to winning, especially at the amateur level, because players cannot attack deep balls, and conversely, they're going to cough up short balls for you to attack. Another one is to do a close the net type of drill. And I love doing this where you have two players at, at the service line and then one of them feeds the ball and then you just close, close the net. And then serves and returns. Please do not forget to practice these. It's really almost ridiculous how little players practice serve and return. I, I've, uh, I remember playing with Peter once and he mentioned that one of his friends doesn't like to serve. Um, and I found it you know kind of crazy. I don't know if this person doesn't uh, play any matches or something, but you've got to practice your serve and returns because think about it, you're, you're serving or returning every single time. So think about how much you practice that and put it in your practice sessions. And then once you're, you do some drilling uh, and some, some you know basic patterns to practice, then you can transition after uh, a few sessions or, you know, yeah, I'd say a few sessions to practice points and then even practice matches. So some favorites of mine are simple baseline games, first to 11 points. Sometimes you want to um, maybe do the third ball as good in case like after you feed it, there's a mistake that doesn't count sometimes if you'd like, however you'd like to do it. And then playing king or queen of the court, pauper of the court, whatever you want. And so where you have, uh, and this is really good with more than two players actually, maybe you have three players, four players. So you have one side serving, uh, which is the multiple players, and then you have the other side returning, and then the first player on the serving side to win seven points will rotate to the returner side. And then you have just playing normal sets. Uh, as I mentioned, after a few hitting sessions to get your body acclimated, and hopefully you're training your fitness as well. And then another really good one to get yourself reacclimated to just a more frequent pressure is to start at 30 all sets. And Jorge Capistani had uh, this one, I believe, as, as, as well as many other um, great pressure drills uh, during the tennis summit, uh, which was fantastic. We had over 13.7 thousand <laughs> participants. It was sick. But anyways, 30 all sets, good pressure type of uh, practice. And then tiebreakers as well. So you play regular tiebreakers, super tiebreakers, etc. Another one too is playing with uh, with just one serve. That's a good one too. And then once you have put in some practice 
uh, sets and matches, then your body will be ready to to do some USA League play and tournaments if they're available. Uh, for example, the MCTA, which I'm a part of, as I mentioned, they're going to be starting uh, some modified, well, yeah, sort of modified league play based on USA Nationals directives starting after July 4th. So, by the way, if you're in Montgomery County, Maryland, then uh, email me for more information or email MCTA and get on that if you are if you feel comfortable and ready to play. And we'll talk about some safety precautions, too. Uh, also, flex leagues are an option in some areas as well, which is more of a, well, less organized where you arrange your own league play. Um, and I know that uh, my friend Scott Baxter has player court as well. That's another option. And yeah, some tennis tournaments are starting up as well. So again, just make sure that your body is able to withstand the rigors of it. And then you might want to try it. I saw my friend Mike already register for a tournament. So that's cool. Uh, good luck to you. So, all right. <clears throat> what if you can't uh, play tennis yet? You know, there's still areas that uh, have the, um, you know, the courts shut off. So you can work on your fitness. I did this for, I'm still doing it. Like I said, every single morning, it's either fitness or it's stretching or something. Um, it's, it's huge. And you remember, like I said, you don't need any fancy equipment to get strong and more fit. And I'll give you some examples a little bit later on. So you want it. Wow. It's already 940. That's amazing. Uh, so you can do some shadow swings. You can do footwork at home and outside. Um, these types of things are really great. And, uh, as I remember talking with my friend, Peter Freeman from crunch time coaching, um, in many ways, uh, it th the best thing is for you to not be able to play tennis because then you can focus on technical deficiencies and work on integrating uh, the proper motor patterns in, into your strokes. So shadow swings are really highly underrated and footwork as well. Uh, another thing you can do is study strategy. Uh, it's it's fantastic. What I what I like to do is to um, to either watch other people's matches or even professional player matches, challenger tour, whatever, and and even put the sound off. A really cool thing I like to do, and this was inspired by me talking with uh, with a summit coach, uh, Brent Abel. Actually, what we did was uh, what is the right shot, and he actually does this. You can check it out on his YouTube channel, but. What we did was we paused the action of the, the the point, right? And then we he asked me or I asked him, what is the, the right shot in this particular situation? And then afterwards, you you play the video and you see what happens. But that's a great way to train your uh, your strategy and, and really start thinking about what types of shots are, are optimal in those situations. I mean, thing is, it's actually been really tough for me too because I used to be a purely reactive player. I used to just try to be as consistent as possible, get the ball back. And so I didn't even think about strategy, but uh, it's really important to to do that. Just think about what is the best play? How can I exploit my opponent's weaknesses and play with, to my strengths as much as possible? It's going to make a world of difference. And so these are some things that you can do, even if you can't play tennis yet, or if you're not comfortable playing tennis yet. And I totally get it. Uh, it's, it's pretty crazy what's going on right now. And yeah, I just mentioned here, Read books, listen to podcasts, <clears throat> Tennis Files podcast. Check it out, tennisfiles.com slash podcast. All right. Uh, yeah, and this is just uh, a YouTube live that I did with my great friend Peter Freeman from Crunch Time Coaching. And I think this live stream is either still on uh, online on my YouTube channel. Uh, and this was a uh, the kickoff for the Tennis Summit. And it's pretty, almost 8,000 views. Pretty cool. Um, but yeah, was, obviously, I just put this up because we talk about shadow strokes and self-study. Number five, observing safety protocols. So uh, everyone's different. Some people are really brazen about this gung-ho, but I personally don't like to take a chance with my health if I don't have to. And also I don't impact others around me by you know coughing on them or high-fiving them or whatever. So you want to practice social distancing with your opponents and your partners if you're playing doubles as much as possible. Um, you want to go around the opposite sides of the net. Um, you want to bring multiple cans of balls and only use yours. Uh, you know, maybe 
their uh, different numbers, which would be ideal, or you can mark them and then only have those particular balls in play. Like, let's say if I'm serving, I use my balls. If you're serving, you use your balls. Um, racket tap instead of shaking hands. I think a lot of us have seen this on the, the some of the matches that they've done, some of these uh, these tournaments. <laughs> some have been more successful than others in safety, as we will talk about. Um, using your racket or shoes to pick up uh, the opponent's balls. I guess both, actually, you know. Um, hitting them and uh, propping them up with your shoes and your racket. Uh, also, wiping down your equipment, too, if you can. So this is pretty crazy. And this is, uh, as you can tell, this is a very um, live session because there's some players and coaches who have tested positive for, for COVID-19, including Grigor Dimitrov, Dimitrov's coach, Christian Groh, Borna Chorich, Novak Djokovic's trainer. Sorry, I forgot his name, his or her name. Viktor Troisky. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. It's a Troiki name. Sorry for the pun. And his pregnant wife, which I uh, really hate to hear that as well. Um, and we'll see if Novak has it too. I think he's going to announce it soon. If you're listening to this on the podcast, then he's, he's probably already announced it. Um, if you're listening to this live, then not yet. And so this was the, uh, the, the little tour they had in Europe. Uh, unfortunately, uh, due to, I, I think, lack safety protocols and some... Uh, some social events, <laughs> this happened. And so some safety guideline resources here. Check out the USCA's Safety for COVID-19 Player Tips and Recommendations. Uh, check out also the ITF Return to Tennis Guidelines. And check out the USCA Tennis Safety for Facilities and Programming, especially if you own a facility or if you're going to play at one. I think it, it's useful for you. And so recap of today's presentation, set your expectations. First off, uh, you really want to just say to yourself, I accept that I have not played for a while and that I'm not going to be playing amazingly the first few times out. So, uh, and then just go from there and then figure out um, what you need to do to keep improving and reevaluate after each session. Prioritize your health and fitness. It's an extremely dangerous time right now for you to be um, just going all out if you haven't played for a while. Uh, think about it, your body just isn't used to the rigors of tennis, especially if you have not been uh, performing a fitness program consistently. Number three, you, you want to set your goals and then plan training, plan your training. So you want to uh, figure out those top three aspects of your game that will give you the biggest return on investment and then schedule them in your calendar. Block it out and then do it. Number four, on-court training, um, there's, uh, you want to follow a plan of progression. Again, you don't want to leap straight into matches. You want to first just you know, do simple hitting down the middle type, uh, type play, and then you want to progress to simple patterns of cross-courts, cross-court down the line, volleys, serves, returns. And then after that, then you can go to um, playing practice points and sets and matches, and then... After that, when you feel you're ready, then you can progress to USA leagues or tournaments if they're available. And then observe safety protocols just to make sure that everybody is safe and happy with tennis. Obviously, we've seen that you have Dimitrov, Chorich, Troiki, and, and their associated people have gotten sick. So that is, well, be sick being getting COVID. So uh, yeah, it's it's not not a joke. I mean, even though tennis is what pretty much the safest sport, people are still getting COVID. So just be careful out there. Some resources: tennisfiles.com, uh, the Building Blocks of Tennis Success ebook, which you can get at tennisfiles.com/ebook. You can get the Tennis Fitness Workout Plan, um, which is a fillable worksheet, I believe. Uh, tennisfiles.com/workout plan. You can check out the Tennis Files podcast at tennisfiles.com/podcast. And if you're interested in the Tennis Files membership, you just send me an email at mirabon at tennisfiles.com because uh, that is where I'm going to be. Well, I upload every single month um, new lessons, new question and answer sessions with members and a bunch of other stuff. And like these slides will be on there and yeah, so forth. So it's a, it's a great community and uh, yeah, get in if you're interested. All right. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Tennis Files podcast on how to return to the courts and improve your game. 
And uh, I also would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Files podcast. And you can do that on the podcast app of your choice, whether that's Apple Podcasts or any other apps that you use to listen to the show. And it would definitely help a lot with the podcast being able to reach more people uh, worldwide and uh, pushing the show up in the rankings and all that, which I guess the second part enables the first part to happen. So I really would appreciate a review and also it would also uh, help me uh, make the show better for sure. And some of the resources that I mentioned, obviously, if you have not subscribed yet to my newsletter and, and so forth, where I give frequent tips and resources and so forth and announce when my content is coming out, you can just go to tennisfiles.com and uh, put your email in there on that page and uh, I will be communicating with you regularly. And also... Some of the more specific resources are the Building Blocks of Tennis Success ebook at tennisfiles.com slash ebook, the Tennis Fitness Workout Plan at tennisfiles.com slash workout plan, the Tennis Files Podcast, of course, which you can listen to from your app or at tennisfiles.com slash podcast. And lastly, the Tennis Files Membership. If you're interested, email me at mirabon at tennisfiles.com. That's M-E-H-R-B-A-N at tennisfiles.com to check that out and or to learn more about it and yeah that is pretty much it except for i will leave you with a quote as i often love to do at the end of the show and this one is by bill nye and bill said everyone you will ever meet knows something you don't i think that's a great quote to highlight that you have to keep an open mind and it's really great to meet people and learn from them Of course, for your tennis game, uh, the more that you talk tennis to people, you'll really find different psychologies and viewpoints and whether you can use that to know how other opponents are thinking or to integrate it into your own thinking. It'll be very useful. All right. Well, thanks again for listening. I really did enjoy um, doing this solo episode. and I think that was actually the first solo live stream I've ever done or maybe... Yeah, I think it had it was. So it was really, really cool to uh, to do that and uh, to have it be well received by a lot of you. Again, I really appreciate the support. Um, you all are very kind. I'm sure if I was in some other field, I'd get some more, <laughs> you know, crazy messages. But I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I didn't do anything too crazy on the, the episode except to try to educate you about the proper way to approach coming back to the game. So I wish you all well. I wish you all great health. And thanks again for listening, and I will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.